0: To this week's Perasha. The one thing about this week's Perasha, we read Terumah, and Terumah always falls out at the beginning of Adar. Is the rules. The first Perasha we generally read in Adar is Terumah. Really, what does Terumah have to do with Adar? So, one of the ideas behind Adar is if you look at the horoscope, Adar is generally Pisces, and Pisces is a two fish. And the interesting, all the other signs in the horoscope are single. Only Pisces is a double, and the rabbis say, because why? Because Adar could have a double Adar mm-hmm. One of the things though That the rabbis talk about Is the idea of fish Because we say Ben Porat Yosef Ben Porat Alei Ayin that, that the fish are under the water And the fish are, no, are right. They don't have the Ayin Hara And this is said specifically about uh, Menashe and Ephraim And one of the things about Menasheh and Ephraim Is they're two brothers And sometimes they're counted as two individual tribes And sometimes they're counted as Bnei Yosef just like Adar, sometimes it's a single month and sometimes it's a double month. When Adar is only one month, one of the things I saw was that Adar is, is, is a month where a person can get up to the highest level. That's what we say, uh, to the level of Keter or whatever that means. But the, that's why we say, Adar, a person begins Adar, we begin, we should be happy in Adar. But the thing about the second month of Adar, which we started to talk about, was it says about the second month of Adar. Now the question is, which is the second month of Adar? Is it the first month or is it the second month? Which one do we consider the second? And that's a subject to debate. But something about the second month of Adar, because we have 12 months of the year, 12 horoscopes, but then every once in a while we get a 13th month, which is this Adar Bet or Aleph if Adar Bet is the, is the real it says that Adar the second month of Adar has no mazal. Now the problem is if I say to somebody I have no mazal means what do you mean? What do you mean? I have no luck? Like I ain't got no luck, baby, right? I keep losing. But the idea of En Mazal is something extraordinary because when it says that a person is born under mazal, we're born under the under the rules of that mazal. We're born under whatever the mazal says is our fate and what we need to do. But apparently a person born in the second Adar has no mazal, meaning he's not subject. He's not bound by any rules. He's not bound, right. Now the interesting, interesting thing is we relate always Adar to Haman, and Haman relating to Amalek. And we know the war that, so we, we know that Amalek are the first ones to attack Bnei Israel. So they attack Bnei Israel when we're leaving Egypt. There's no reason for them to attack Bnei Israel There's nothing that they're going to win. There's not. They're not in danger. They attack us because they want to, so to say, cool the water. They want to show the world that we could be attacked. It says when Amalek comes to attack, Amalek is always practicing under this, this idea of witchcraft. Many of the Rishonim say that Amalek is based on witchcraft. And they bring it up in the case with Shaul HaMelech when Shaul goes and kills all of the people of Amalek with the exception of Agag. The thing that always bothered me about that war is that we hold, we hold Shaul HaMelech and say he did such a terrible thing that he let Agag live. My big problem is that only a few years later, David HaMelech is fighting a huge war against Amalek. Where did they come from? So if he killed everyone with the exception of Agag, where do all these people come from? Well, the other thing he didn't kill was the cows. He wanted to save the cattle. So what do they say the rabbis? It's was hard one. It says that they were such great magicians that they knew they were going to get killed, so they turned themselves into cattle in order to escape, and then they were able to rebuild an army. Right. So this is about this. So so the the whole idea of, of Amalek is this idea of witchcraft. Now when Haman is doing the poor, he's doing the, the the lottery to see what to do. It says that he also relied on this aspect of witchcraft. When he picked out his date So now Amalek is coming to attack In Israel, they're using witchcraft Hashem tells Moshe To tell Yehoshua To select people To go fight against Amalek Hey question, why not Moshe go fight Amalek Why Yehoshua go fight Amalek Of all people He wasn't the leader at that point This is the very beginning when they leave Egypt why Yehoshua of everyone? Now we see later on that Yehoshua goes out and he's one of the spies. But we don't know that he's this major warrior. So we, we, we pull Yehoshua out of all people and Yehoshua is the one who's going to go fight the, fight the battle. Now now the, the interesting thing is that he's supposed to choose. Yehoshua has to choose people. Who are the people that he chooses? So I see a Rabbeinu and then the Chizkuni both comment on this. Interesting, they say that Amalek, when they went out to fight Bnei Israel, one opinion is they took everyone who they saw would live out the year. They knew that every one of their soldiers was under a star, they would live out the year. Another opinion is they took everyone whose birthday was that day. That means they had a charmed day that day. And those are the soldiers they sent out to fight, and they said no one could die. Now, you're going to take these guys and go fight against them Israel, who's Yehoshua going to get? Who's going to use the fight? So I saw an unbelievable idea. Chizkuni says, what did he do? He took people only born in the second month of Adad. because they weren't subject to any mazar. And they also are immune from any witchcraft, any witchcraft trying to come and, and harm them. So, so what, what happens now is they have a battle. Who wins the battle between Amalek and Israel that Yeshua fought? Who wins? Nobody. It says that Yeshua was able to weaken them. According to many of the commentaries, not a single one of them died. Why? They couldn't die. Why? Because they weren't, good as, weren't able to die. So he says, what happens? None of them died. So it's, a, it's just a you know, little, little strange. So he says that what happened is this whole idea of... of needing to fight magic with magic in, in this thing of Adar. Now when it comes to Haman, Haman also is using magic to fight against and to, to kill Israel when he's going through the poor. How does Mordechai battle the magic? So if you're living under the astrology and under fate and whatever, it seems that Haman had it all planned, that everything should have worked. So what did Mordechai do? Something that only the Sanhedrin could do. What, is the son, what does the court have to do? They established the, the, they established the moon. So what did he do? Not only he changed the day, he added a second Adar. By adding a second Adar, what does he do? He changes all of the mazalot because everything is subject to B'nai el naming the time. Wow. And that really goes to the whole point of Moshe Benu asking Hashem, why are you telling me to do this as the first mitzvah of sanctifying the moon, and really what Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu is this, (coughs) that when I'm telling you this, I'm telling you that you could rise above the mazalot, how? By uh, controlling the time. You control everything. And that's what B'nai Israel. that's what the whole idea says, en mazal Israel, because en mazal Israel doesn't mean we're out of luck, it means that we're not subject to luck. Now... In all things, the Gemara says every blade of grass is, is subject to it. Everything is subject to mazah. But how do you rise above? That's the whole question of how to rise above. And I think really one of the keys is what happens in this week's Pedashah with Terumah. So we're going to try to see in Terumah how it affects our whole idea of mazah. We discussed this, remember, about the, the football games that were so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked about that. Um, I asked So now we have, we have the, the mishkan. What's the purpose of a Mishkan? It says, Daber el B'nai Israel. Speak to B'nai Israel. Vayichu li teruma me'ed kol ish asher libo. Very strange. Moshe is coming down to B'nei Israel. Hashem is telling Moshe, telling Moshe speak to B'nei Israel and tell them we're going to build a Mishkan. Now the question is are we building a Mishkan because it's a reaction to the, the, uh, the Egel, or is it the plan? According to Ramban, according to many of the mekubalim, according to the Zohar, the plan was always for there to be a mishkan. A mishkan was always necessary. This is not a reaction to the Egel. It always was necessary. Other sides will tell you no, because it seems that the mishkan directly relates to the sin of the golden calf. Anyway, when we're building the mishkan, there's something interesting. Normally, if you're going to build something, what do you do? You tax everybody. We have machasita shekel Everybody has to give coin, whatever they have to give. In this case, when you're going to build a Mishkan, what does it say? Asher Yidbenu Libo Whose heart is wanting to give. It just If he's inspired to be generous. So what does that mean? Inspired to be generous? You're going to build it just from people of donations. It says, why not set an amount? Why not make sure that everyone has a, a direct participation? And we know there's one thing that everyone has direct participation. That's the Mahasita Shekha shekel went for the silver that went for the support beams around the mishkan. But why not everything else? Why not for the Aaron? Why not for the menorah? Why not for the Shulchan? Why not for everything? Very few mitzvot in the Torah do we have. Do what you want. It's either you have a rule, this is what we do. Here we have specifically, do what you want. Do what you want. It says, it says, And Hashem is saying to Moshe, build me a mikdash and I will dwell among them. The first question is, what are we trying to do? Minimize Hashem? Didn't we learn when we're in school, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere, right? So now you're saying, where is Hashem? We're going to put him in a box. We're going to make a box. So we're going to say, Hashem is in the box. Everyone want to come visit Hashem? Come visit Hashem in the box. That's crazy. So we say, Kadosh, 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 right? What do we say? it's <muching> But then what do we say? Aye <Adobe> mekom kevodo. Where's the place? What do you So which is it? Is Hashem everywhere? Or is Hashem in this central place? Anyone who says, comes to visit the Ramban, says anyone who comes to the Ben Hamikdash and visits and says, Hashem is in the Ben Hamikdash, but he's not somewhere else. He's a He's a kofer. The problem is, once I build the bet hamikdash, what is the natural tendency going to be? Yeah, I want to go visit God. That's where I go visit Him. So, what are we saying? Is Hashem more in the bet hamikdash than He is on the outside? Do you think He is more in the bet hamikdash? Is His presence more in the bet hamikdash than on the outside? Seems crazy to say that. It says so. What's the point of the whole mishkan? Why do we need to add on? Hashem spoke to the nevi'im wherever they were. They don't need, he doesn't need an office. You don't need to make an appointment. He says there's no posted hours of communication. Okay? what do we need this? Moshe goes up to Mount Sinai. He's in Egypt. Wherever he is, Hashem is talking to him. You know, he calls, pulls out the phone and 1-800-ALMIGHTY. Boop, 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 and that's it. He speaks to Hashem. There's no, there's no, uh, no office, no building required. The same as Abraham. There's no building for Abraham, no building for Yitzchak, no building for Yaakov, no building for Noah, Chanoch. None of them. There's no building. So why now do we suddenly need a building? If Hashem wants to talk to us, He's going to call us. He doesn't need a building. And even if you want to say that uh, the place of the Bet Midrash is holy because what occurred there, because of the Akedah, so what do you need a building for? You don't need a building. And if you wanted a building, what do you need instruments? What do you need furniture? What do you need dishes? What do you need all the things that we built for the Ben Hamikdash? Does Hashem need a candle to read at night? Does He need a table to eat from? Why are we doing all of these things? It says, even there, when there was a Ben Hamikdash, still Hashem spoke to the Nevi'im outside. It wasn't centralized to the Ben Hamikdash. It says, and like I said, the contrary, it leads someone to believe that Hashem is inside, not outside. It affects the people. So it seems really we don't need it, or perhaps we could say we're better off without it. Because then we could really see Hashem is everywhere. So why restrict Hashem? Why lead to a feeling that Hashem's not everywhere? Just the thought that the presence of Hashem is more in one place than in another place is problematic. We don't need the building, it serves the opposite attention. This is all my notes. Seems, so, so, it says, so it says Hashem gave us the Torah, he says, Build me a little house with a little bitty room for me to live in. It sounds like me, I tell my kids, you know, when you go and you build a house, do me a favor, build one room, that's going to be for me. I want my own room in your house, a little room with a bathroom, so I can come visit. Is Hashem really saying that? I mean, that's the Midrash says, that's like Hashem is saying, he doesn't want to leave the Torah, his daughter, so he wants a room. It's crazy though, for us to put Hashem in the and we actually are doing this on the physical. So it says, it says, Hashem says to Moshe, everything that I'm going to show you, He's going to show the pattern of the Mishkan, and the pattern, the plans for all of the vessels. He says, that's what you're going to do. So it says, Hashem, while Moshe is in Shamayim, Hashem, Moshe can't understand what he's supposed to do based on the verbal information. Based on what Hashem is saying, Hashem has to show him the videotape. He has to go. Like today, it's interesting because you know you build a house today. You could actually go and see the house and walk through the house uh, with virtual reality. So Hashem puts the virtual reality goggles on Moses way before we ever had them, and he shows him everything and how it's built and how it comes apart. I know when my guys design a piece of furniture, they basically could you know hit a button and all the legs could come off and you see how everything joins. And why does Moshe need so much detail in order to build? What does Moshe see? That he has to see, in order to be able to build it. And then now we continue. you should make an aron, uh, a closet. Uh, that's really what's in aron is a closet. Adser out of, of shitim wood, and he gives the dimensions. He gives the dimensions of a closet. And now You're going to place into the aron the, the tablets, a which I which I gave you. So the purpose Hashem is saying that now the thing is Asher eten, that I will give you which leads us to believe that the whole Mishkan idea is before the, the, the Chet of the Egel. Says, so basically Hashem is saying I'm going to give you Luchot and you're going to go downstairs and you're going to put them in a cabinet so you could lock them away. Why do you need to lock them away? If you already have the Mishkan and you already have in the Mishkan the Kodesh HaKodeshim just put a shelf in the Kodesh HaKodeshim that says, Luchot, go here. Boom. Why do we need this whole thing of Aaron to put the Luchot? It says, why do we need it at all? It says the Minorah has no uh, box to put it in. The Shulchan has no box. They're exposed. So take the Luchot that Hashem gave you, put it in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, and finish. Why? You have to close it in, put on top. Ve'asita shinaim keruvim, zahav. You're going to make two cherubs out of gold. Miksha it's going to be solid. You're going to have to make them. And they're going to be part of the cover. So now you're going to make the closet, this, this cabinet. And on top of the cabinet, it's going to be a gold cover that goes over. So not only are we putting it inside, we're putting it inside, closing the doors, basically, and covering it. Says, You're going to make one, one cherub on one side, one cherub on the other side, and the cherubs is going to have their wings and they're going to go through the whole thing. The cherubs, basically the rabbis say, one is a face of a male, one is a face of a female, one of them is taller, one of them is shorter. Now when Nebuchadnezzar and Nevuzaradan, and, so Nevuzaradan was the general, he was the general of Nebuchadnezzar. They were the first ones, they destroyed the first Ben Amikdash. Nevuzaradan, we have the crazy stories of him killing person after person, and he eventually converts. Uh, but when Nevuzaradan goes into the Kodesh Kodashim, what does he see? He sees cherubs. <laughs> he says, what is this? B'nai Israel all against, all the time, we tell them, listen, all we want you to do is have one of our idols, just leave it there, do whatever you want, just have one of our idols on the side. I say, no, we're not allowed to have idols. We're not allowed to have images. We're not allowed to have things that are statues. And all of a sudden he goes into the bed of Akdash and what does he see? Two angels. He says, it's all a lie. It's all a joke. Everything Moshe, everything the people, the Jews say is a joke. What is going on here? And, and we say, the Midrash tells us that what was happening at the time of the destruction of the temple, what were the two Kiruvim doing? They were hugging each other. Imagine you're going there and you see a boy, a boy cherub and a girl cherub and they're hugging each other. Saying the Jews. This is ridiculous. One cherub was a boy and one was a girl. Yeah, one was male, one was female. One was taller, one was shorter. Really? And they, they if, were if B'nai Israel were, against, were not nice to each other, they faced away. Not, they weren't identical? No, weren't identical. Different. Taller, shorter, male, female. So it says... So now you have the Ten Commandments, and in the Ten Commandments it says, what are you supposed to do? What's the, <laughs> you're not supposed to have a graven image. And all of a sudden, not supposed to have a graven image? And where do we have a graven image? Right in in the, the holiest of holy places. So Hashem is telling Moshe, you know what? That's where I'm going to talk to you. And I'm going to speak to you. So, in between the space where these two cherubs are, that's where my voice is going to come to you. Which is on top of the Aron. Everything I'm going to command you, Ibn Israel. So, this is crazy. Sham. Speak to you from there, between the two angels. The voice came. Moshe has to, he's, he's coming, he's going to look, he's going to see the voice actually coming from that place. Again, we're going to ask a question, what does Moshe need that for? He's been dealing for the last year with the bad phone. He has a portable phone, he doesn't even have the phone. He has the, what's it called, it's much better. He has an invisible AirPod, uh, Air an invisible one in his ear that Hashem talks to him whenever he wants to, wherever he is. What does he need now? He has to go to the payphone. Okay? <laughs> he has to put a quarter in the payphone. Go into this place to hear Hashem talk to him. What do we need that for? He says, he says, you want to, he says, says so now the, the Arizal is going to explain. So I, 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 we could go into the whole thing of Adar. I'll go a little Adar because it relates a little bit to, to Mordechai and Adar. But I'm going to explain here. So the Arizal says, that if a person wants to get to the Kisey Kavod, We have this image of the Kisea Kavod. The Kisea Kavod is God's throne It's on the top of heaven God's throne It says that a person, if they want to get to it If a Navi wants to Wants to have Nivuah, He has to take a journey He has to travel through the worlds It says we live in a world The bottom of what we, we are Is called Olam Asiyah is the world of action Where we do things, things happen if a person travels through spiritually the whole world of Olam Asiyah, he gets to a place called Olam Yetzirah, the world of formation. Yetzirah is Yesh yesh, meaning when you form something, you form something from something that exists already. Above this Olam Yetzira is Olam Biriyah, the world of creation, which is Yesh Meyayin, creates something from nothing. And above that is Atsilut, where it's very high. Hashem's throne, if we're going to say it exists in a place, in the spiritual dimension, exists in the spiritual dimension at the very top of Olam habiriya Sort of in between Atsilut and biriyah at the very top of Biriah. The top of biriyah is below the Kiseh. So, so it says... So if we enter this world from level to level, we have to travel through the level. The Zohar talks about, talks about halls. And a person traveling has to travel from hall to hall and has to basically know the passwords and get through the angels and be careful because, you know, like you have these games today that, you know, you have to travel from world to world and you have all science fiction. I think all of that is based on on this to a certain extent, that a person is traveling spiritually from world to world to world. He's rising from level to level to level, overcoming personal things, overcoming his own things, separating from his body until he could achieve this level of Nebuah. So you had schools of Nevi'im. At one point, you had schools of Nevi'im that had a million students. And these were students who were studying how to be a Navi and how to be a Navi is a person has to be able to separate his spiritual from his physical and travel through these chambers that go from world to world to world so the Zohar describes that in the, in the world of Bria this very high world there are seven chambers and it calls them halls, it calls them chambers and this highest level like we said of Olam Bria above is the Kise'a Kavur each of these halls says the Zohar I asked Victor about it. It's very hard for me to understand, but he was like, oh, okay, how many times have you been there, Vic? So he was like, so like, he's just talking about, yeah, okay. So each of these chambers relates to us in some way. There's a, so, so for example, imagine if I had, like, I went to City Hall and I needed to deal with my property, so there's a window for your real estate and there's a window for marriage contracts and there's a window for, for my uh, sewer and there's a window for schools and there's a window for everything. So it's the same way there's windows or these halls are sort of offices for different aspects of what a person requires in this world. There's an aspect for shiduchim, there's an aspect for rifuad, there's an aspect for children and all of these halls are occupied by angels angels who basically will take the message from here into the hole. And each of these angels has special responsibility. So you have these seven main holes, and as you climb up from hole to hole, you have to imagine that the top of each of the holes is glass. And you can see up from hole to hole in what's above you. So in effect, if I'm in the last two holes, so the last two halls, the 6th and the 7th, the 6th is called, the 6th called is, this is, there's a skylight and it's called Hechal Ratzon. Hechal Ratzon. This is the 6th level. And above that level, we have the 7th level, which is called Hechal Kodesh Kodashim. <coughs> this level of Kodesh Kodashim is where the throne of Hashem is sitting. Okay. So, And in this level of Echal Ratzon, which is below the Kisea Kabod, there are four angels who reside. Those four angels are... Raphael, Gabriel, 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 Michael, Israel. Okay, so we have four, those four angels, and each of those angels has two assistants. <laughs> so now we have four angels with eight assistants, meaning we have 12 angels. 4 plus 8 is 12 And that relates to the 12 Mazalot Which is below That olam Okay From there a person could, could Climb into this final hall of Bria Which is the hall called Kodesh HaKodeshim Which is really the place of Kisea kavod. In essence Hashem doesn't need a Mishkad We don't need a Mishkad The same idea with the Bet Mikdash. It seems to be restricting to Hashem. But what the Zohar explains, and we need to understand, that the Mishkan itself is comparable to these last two worlds. Olam Ratzon and Olam Kodesh HaKodeshim. It says the Kodesh HaKodeshim is related to this hallway called Kodesh HaKodeshim. The rest of the Kodesh is related to this final called Olam Ratzon. When one feel what one feels in the Mishkan, what one feels in the Mikdash, is that one is in the embassy of those two rooms from the world of Briah. That when I step into the Mikdash, when I step into the Kodesh Kodashim, I'm not there. I'm in another place. So the only way to understand it, and you know, Rabbi Avi Tam, my rabbi, was so interesting because he always said that you know we have all of these things that we learned in modern age to help us to understand. He says. That you have to understand it even science fiction terms. We're entering a parallel universe. Entering the Mishkan itself and the Kodesh Shim, I'm not in this world, I'm in this parallel universe. It's like, like a portal of some kind. Exactly. The word I have, it's a portal. It connects from here to there. So what what in essence is it saying is this: that that if I go to the Mishkan, just to explain a little more, and then I'm gonna show you how it works. If I go to the Mishkan, it's as if I'm in the embassy. I go there, I feel as if I am in the place called the top of Olam Habriyah. The secret of the Mishkan is that it's not needed by us. It's certainly not needed by Hashem. But it's an embassy and it's a connection point to the highest level perceptible by us of Hashem. The highest spiritual level that we could perceive is this Olam that we're calling Olam. The top of Olam Habriyah, which is this Olam Ratzon and Olam Kodesh Hakodeshim. This is why that Hashem, when He commands Moshe, He says, let everyone give whatever they want. Because what's that Olam called? Olam Ratzon. What is Olam Ratzon? Will, free will. Whatever you want to give, you want to connect, you give. That's how you connect to this Olam Ratzon. That's why it's whatever you want to give. It's not forced upon you. You want to be in this Olam Ratzon? It's up to you. It says the mikdash is the connecting point to this whole called Ratzon free will. The design, the space, the scale, the utensils, all the things that are done in the mikdash are to give a person the feeling that he's entered this portal and that he's in the embassy with all of those departments. What do you mean, departments? Imagine we're in a foreign country, we're under the rule of a foreign power. We step into the embassy, we feel as if we're home. We feel as if we're national, we're on our own national territory. You're in China, you don't know what's going on. You want to feel like you're in America, you go to the American embassy, American soldiers, you're standing on American territory. The idea of the Mishkan is heaven's embassy on earth. You step into the Mishkan, you're not on earth anymore. You're now in this aspect of that. The specifications of the Mikdash, they're not for Hashem. He doesn't need it. Everything there is all for us. So that we have the feeling we're in this hole called the hall of Ratzon or the hall of Kodesh HaKodeshim. Why do we have this relating to Moshe? This is where Moshe was for 120 days. When it says that everything is Mareh, whatever Hashem is showing Moshe. Why do you mean Mareh? He was there. He saw. That's how he saw because he was there already. When he is in heaven, what he's doing is he's expanding that place down here on earth. The same way that Moshe heard Hashem in heaven, he's going to hear below. It's the same connection. So it's not like I'm on the phone. It's as if I'm there. So the difference we could say is imagine if we can for a second. Imagine if I'm having a conversation with someone on FaceTime or a hologram. That I feel that I'm with the person versus a telephone. Even if I have a telephone and everything's clear. The Facetime is that much clearer. I see the kids. The you know I could see my grandkids on Facetime across the world, and it's it's a crazy it's an amazing thing. Go a step excuse me. Go a step further. That imagine it's a hologram conversation. That we're you know we're we're probably not too, you, you thought does that not yet no okay. So, so imagine we have this hologram conversation, and that's that's the idea of the Kolichka compared to the to the telephone. Says so that. This is the place Moshe went and says, says the, so it says that this place that, that Hashem is telling Moshe to go to here, to communicate, that's the portal or the extension of the room that Moshe was in when he was on Harsinai for 40 days, 40 days and 40 days. It says that the Kodesh HaKodeshim below is not of this world, but it's part of that world. So when he's stepping into that, he's stepping through a portal and it's taking him to another place. It's a special access point to visit directly into the chamber. The key is this: you pass through into the dimension without making the journey from Olam Asiyah, whole by whole, level by level. Every time Moshe wants to go up to talk to Hashem, or the Navi, or whoever has to go, what do they have to do? If you read what a Navi had to go through, and he was having, you know, almost like this uh, out-of-world experience, and he was disconnected and on the floor, and What's happening here is instead of having to journey level by level, dimension by dimension, fighting through the angels who don't want to let me through at every step of the way, Hashem is saying, you know what? This is how you generally have to get to me. You have to grow from level to level to level to level and reach and reach and reach. What I'm going to give everybody as a gift is a shortcut. A shortcut. A way to connect completely. And I said, and although Rashi brings that the Midrash is the, the Midrash that says that the that the whole Mishkan is only after the Egel, after Moshe spent the time, Ramban, Tosvot, the Zohar all say that this was a, this was from the beginning a commandment. It's good, it's fine, it's good. This was a commandment from the beginning. This was this was what Hashem wanted them to have. The Mishkan is given as a grant to us, not as an obligation, but a direct benefit to us to connect. If a person understands the miraculous aspect of the Mishkan or the Bet HaMikdash, he understands this. On earth we're subject to nature. In heaven we can see miracles. He says the Mikdash is not on earth, it's an extension of heaven. And that's why the Gemara says every single day in the Mikdash there were 10 visible miracles. Just the idea of the Aron fitting inside the Kodesh HaKodeshim, when it doesn't fit, if you take the dimensions of the sticks and you put them in the room, guess what? It doesn't fit. The Gemara says the Mikdash is relatively small. Even the courtyard of the Mikdash is relatively small. Imagine three times a year all been Israel. Imagine just Pesach. Korban Pesach. They had to do three. You have a million people coming. I don't care if you had to do three. You can't fit a million people. Miraculous. Everyone wanted a bow. Suddenly there's room. What does that mean? What are all these things telling us? That once we enter into the Mikdash and the Mishkan, we're not in this world anymore. You know, today's Rosh Chodesh. The whole Tefillah of Rosh Chodesh, we're praying that Hashem should return us to that. Why? So that we should take a cow and kill it? It seems crazy that that's... No, because we should have this vehicle to direct connect that that we lost. The idea of the angels. On earth, there's no images of angels. On earth, you're not allowed to make a graven image. But where is the keruvi? Where are the keruvi In the Kodesh HaKodeshim. What is that representing? The place where the angels are in Shammai. It's representing this hallway called the hallway of Kodesh HaKodeshim. And who's in the Kodesh HaKodeshim? These angels. You have angels there. We have angels here. Why one male, one female? Because sometimes we relate to Hashem in a masculine way, and sometimes we relate to Hashem in a feminine. Not to say Hashem is sometimes masculine. It's the way we relate. So for example, we say, Naktishach. Naktishach is feminine. Right? How, what do you mean we're saying feminine? We say the Shekhinah relates. We say sometimes Avdecha and Avdach. What do you mean? Sometimes we're related to Hashem each way. It's, it's a, a heavy duty, but that's the whole idea of the Cherubim of being male and female. Two statues relates to what's going on in Shamayim, this Hechal Ratzon, this Hall of Will. I didn't even know there were female angels. Why are female angels? No, but it's not the idea of a female angel. It's the idea of the aspect of a masculine and feminine in relating, to, in us relating to. These two angels on the on the Represented are children, male and female. Children <laughs> representing male and female says not only he says not only that this is the place this place called the, the the ratzon this 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 hall of ratzon that's the place where the where the souls are stored It says that when Hashem is going to send the soul down to this world he takes the soul from below the kiseh kavod what's below the kiseh kavod this hechal call, ratzon so he says that at midnight the midrash says that Hashem speaks to the souls. That are below the Kisei HaKavod. Where? Here. And that's the idea of Hashem telling Moshe, I will speak to you from this place, because that's the place where my voice is heard every single night. It says, Moshe is telling, Hashem is telling Moshe, you don't need to raise yourself. You don't need to go on the spiritual journey. You don't need to go through the worlds. You don't need to go through the holes. You could have this direct connection where you literally could walk in through the Mishkan, and come back to where you are on Har Sinai for the 120 days. Moshe reaches this level. He climbs to the top of Binah. so it's above the level of Binah when we're thinking of the of the Sifirot, and that's very important because I saw I saw that I saw and I wrote today that 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 the rabbis bring that in Adar we have the ability to rise to the level of Keter, and the level of Keter would be the level below the bottom of Keter would be the level of the the throne would be the bottom of Asiyah. Which would be the top of Binah. What does that have to do with the man in the moon? We'll get to it. This highest level of Ulam HaBriyah. And we won't need to climb. So Hashem is telling Moshe, follow these specifications. What do you mean? You saw the video when you were in Shamayim. You saw what it is. It says says, spiritually, this is where Hashem dwells in Shamayim. Grant, remember, there's the spiritual aspect that we can't bring down to a physical. But in some way, we're manifesting it in a physical. It says, goes further. Betzalel. How old is Betzalel when he comes to build the Mishkan? 15, yeah, 13, 15. He's a kid. So now, Moshe is writing all the instructions of building Mishkan. He starts with the Aaron. We go through the Aaron, the Shulchan, the Minorah the, the Aaron, Minora, the Shul, the Menorah, Shulchan, go so on and so forth. comes to Bitzal-el, and it says, Hashem imbued Betzalel with knowledge. And Moshe is telling B'tzalel, this is what you're going to build. You're going to build the Iran, you're going to build the Menorah, you're going to build the Shulchan, you're going to build the Mishkan, you're going to build the walls. And B'tzalel turns to Moshe and says, Moshe, with all due respect, I have a question for you. What do you build first? The house or the furniture? He says, Moshe, you have to build the house first, not the furniture. What makes sense to build? And the rabbis say that all the people now get nervous. Here's this little kid telling Moshe, who just came down and is telling him to build what to build, telling Moshe, whatever you said, we're going to do the opposite. And the people say, if, if Moshe got this wrong, <laughs> what else did he get wrong? If a 15-year-old kid is correcting him, oh boy, we're up the creek. He says, no, the Arizal explains something. He says, we have to understand that each of these Kelim represent one of the holes in the hierarchy of these holes in Olam Habriyah. He says the table, the shulchan, for example, represents parnasa. We know the menorah represents knowledge. That's why when it says when a person prays the amida, if a person wants to have more parnasa, they don't just face east. They're facing east, but a little bit to the north. And if a person wants to have more uh, more knowledge, he's facing east, but a little bit towards the south. That's the because that's where his thinking is. So there's the menorah. There's, each of the vessels has some aspect to one of those offices of upstairs. You said for 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 wisdom, it's wisdom east, is east the and south. No, so so we south, say that east. south. It's east, but a little towards the south. Right. If it's money, it's north. east, but a little towards the north. In our synagogue, the hechal right. is due north. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what was on their mind? <laughs> okay. I, the first time I walked in, I said. I tell him, Why is it due north? He says, what does it get about? I say, I said unbelievable. <laughs> it was a joke. The they, they built it because of the city, but I, I think they could have built it the other way, and I tried to change it, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> anyway, so he says that that the Mishkan itself says the Arizal refers to the lowest part. This is the aspect of Malchut. This is the bottom where you begin to climb level by level by level. It says, and it goes to the highest level, which is the Adon. Moshe, where is he coming from? He's coming from Shamayam and he's coming down. So he's describing it in which order? Mm-hmm. Top to bottom. But B'tzalel, who's building it, he wants to build it from which way? From the bottom up. And that's the difference in the two. It says that to get to the Aron, to get to the place below the Kisad Kavod, it says Moshe is saying, oh, you know what? You're right, B'tzalel. You have to build it. But you always have to begin with the end in mind. The end is the Aron. The purpose of Mishkan is to get to the Aron, which is to get to this place of Kodesh HaKodeshim and Shamayim. Bitzalel tells Moshe, we're starting below, we need to rise up for the people, people can't start. Just to relate a little bit, because we mentioned Adar, just to relate a little bit of Adar. Says that what happened, says that the Jewish people are going to be destroyed. Haman has an edict to destroy all the Jewish people. You have a few more minutes? Says uh, says that uh, we go as long as long. okay. So it says, Haman is going to destroy all the Jewish people. He's going to destroy all the Jewish people. It says what is the, the midrash tells us that Eliyahu Hanavi runs and he goes to wake up Moshe. Moshe, quick! You got to save them. All the people are going to die. Moshe says, "Okay, I'm going to pray up here, but is there anyone who knows how to pray below? I'll pray up here, but I need someone to pray below. Who knows how to pray below? It says who could pray? Mordechai. Mordechai. He's the only guy. It says Habira. Mordechai, Ben Ben Shimi, Ben Kish, Says Rashi, what do you mean? Ben Kish. He says, Ben Kish, based on the Gemara Megillah he was Mekish, meaning he knocked on the gates of mercy and he opened them. So it says it says he, he says Mordechai was busy. What did Mordechai, what was he doing in Shushan? Remember, where's Mordechai when Mordechai was taken 11 years before the exile? It says specifically, where was he taken when he went into exile? He was a minister. Where was he taken? To To Bavil. If he was taken to Bavil, how does he get to to here? How does he get to, to what's it called? To uh, Shushan. What is he doing in Shushan? He was in Shushan to plead on behalf of the Jewish people to rebuild the Ben Hamikdash. That's what he was doing in Shushan, because the king is in Shushan. I need to figure out a way to convince the king to allow us to build the Ben Hamikdash. It says, Mordechai understood that it was so important to have the Ben Hamikdash. Why? Because it's an access to what? To be able to knock on the door. It says, only Mordechai understood. He understood that it relates to the gates and the halls, to the this place of Rachamim, the place of Kisar Kavod, he understands the concept of the Ben Hamikdash Says what happens, the Megillah, the Megillah shows us. It says what happens. He says we see in the end, the Jews are going to be killed. Then all of a sudden, Haman is hung, and because Mordechai then the Haman, and then the king says, take the ring from Haman and give it to Mordechai. Now let me ask you a question: Why? What did Mordechai do to deserve the ring? So we know he heard a conversation, and because he heard a conversation, he told the king, "Okay." But this is not Yosef. Yosef went and he interpreted the dream and he gave him advice and he told him what we need to do. Why is Mordechai getting the ring? Why is he becoming the prime minister? What does he have that makes him the prime minister? what, what is what is the idea? He says why. Because Mordechai understands the concept of being an ambassador to the other world. It says, you could see in Mordechai that he's connected beyond this world. So the king could see this. That's why I made it It seems. And how do we see? Vahi omen et hadasa. It says, he brought up Hadassah. This is the Gemara says. The Bereshit Rabbah says. That, it's crazy what it says. It says, what does it mean, Oman? Oman is what? He, he he so it says we, we translate he brought her up but basically we use it that he raised her, he nursed her the Rashid says he went to find a nurse to nurse her a nursemaid to nurse her he couldn't find one so what happened? he nursed her what do you mean he nursed her? says the Gemara that it's possible for a man to nurse a child how could that be? Don't tell the women who have to get up in the middle of the (laughs) night. How could that be that a man can nurse a child? He got some injections. says that he came to Bavel. He was exiled. The reason he's in Shushan is because he wants to rebuild the Ben Hamikdash. Achashverosh hates the Jews. Achashverosh hates him. But Mordechai is the messenger from the embassy. He's above nature. He's living in a spiritual world above nature. He's not... Subject to nature. And that's why the Midrash could say that he could nurse her. Why? Because he's not subject to the rules of nature on a spiritual level and on a physical level. It says that the, that the Halakha, the Rambam says, we, we talk about the Purim is going to be the one holiday that we celebrate after Mashiach, whatever that means, is different opinions. But there's something special about, about Purim. And the, the reason is, it's because this holiday relates to the, this embassy. It relates to this Olam Habriyah. Chodesh Adar is a happy month. But we know Moshe dies. It says, What does Haman see? That the ambassador from this place called Hechal Ratzon, this ambassador from, ambassador from Hechal, Kodish HaKodashim, is gone. And what does that mean? B'nai Israel disconnected from Hashem. And once they're disconnected, mm-hmm. I can step in and let the mazalot work. That's the idea of Haman by Adar. That Moshe represents the connection. There's no connection. We see there's no connection. How do we see there's no connection? There's no better Akdash. Haman says this is the perfect time to destroy them. Their mazal is low. I have the ability to kill them. The, the rabbis describe Moshe in heaven all these days, not eating, not drinking. What does that mean? Because again, Moshe is able to break the laws of physical and the laws of spiritual. When Moshe dies, we lose the connection in some way. And it says that when Moshe died, what happened? We lost 3,000 halachot the next day. The next day, why? Because we lost the connection. So this explains Moshe's question. He asks Eliyahu Navi, is there anyone who could pray? Is there anyone below who knows how to connect to this hall called the Hall of Ratzon? Because unless someone could penetrate into that hall, they can't change what's going to be. Says, he asks Eliyahu, who could gain entry into that office? Who can gain entry so that they should be above the Gezerah? Chodesh Adar is a special kavanah. It closes the cycle. You have 12 months, 12 angels, these 12 angels, the four plus the assistants, 12 months, 12 tribes, 12 hours. All of these things refer to this aspect of rising to this level of this whole The power of this month is it closes the cycle Haman feels that we're Disconnected because Moshe dies He doesn't know Moshe is also born this month What does it mean? It's Moshe who Opens and closes the the circuit Through Moshe even if he's not here The circuit remains A possibility Then we also talk about this idea that we started With Adar Bet that the that the person born in Adarbet he has no 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 suffering of magic etc. So what it seems no he can he, he's not subject to magic. We said the re, the way we started was we said that Yeshua picked soldiers to fight. The soldiers who had to fight against Amalek all were born in Adarbet because they're not they have no mazal in Adarbet. Oh, A person born in Adarbet has no mazal. I thought that he picked soldiers who it was their birthdays. No, that was the other side. Amalek mm-hmm. sent soldiers who was their birthday. That day, Yahushua, to fight the magic of, of Amalek, picked soldiers who were born in Adabet who were not subject to Mazal. So, the idea as we enter really this Perakad this Tirumah <coughs> is that, and, and this really relates to the idea of, of accessing those, those, those spaces. The idea is that if we want to have the Bet Hamikdash. Why do we want to have the Bet Hamikdash? Because we want to be able to access this place where anything is possible. In the absence of it, what do you do? The problem when a person tries to pray on their own is a person tries to have the kavanah to access the rooms. They try to access the room. I want to access this room. I want to access the room of Parnasa. I want to access that. The problem when a person on their own tries to access the room, it's not so easy to access because what do you have to do to access? You have to be go through level, 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 level. And that's really the secret that the rabbis tell us of a minyan. Because when a minyan, when people come to pray together, when there's a group coming together, then each one is helping the other. It's not a train where one where one engine is pulling everything. Every one of is is their own engine, and everyone's helping the others to move the the, the tefillot into the thing. The idea of the of the synagogue is is mishkan meat. So and the idea of the synagogue is there's a way within the synagogue to utilize this. Kedushah that's given to the synagogue as a gift from Hashem and to access some of those places. The best time of the year to access is this time of Adar. Why? It says because Adar, based on the mazalot of Adar, is that a person really in Adar can get to this level of Keter more easily than any other time. Meaning that the person can get to this place above the mazalot the idea of En Mazal, Israel, really relates to Hashem telling Abraham. He said it before, Habetna. In Brit Ben Habet Harim, Hashem tells Hashem, I mean, Abraham tells Hashem, Who am I? Not going to have kids. Who's going to inherit me? Eliezer's going to inherit me, the domestic, right? He says, he's going to inherit me. So what does Hashem tell, tell Abraham? He says, Habetna. What is Habet. How do you say see in Hebrew? Ray. Ray see. What is habet? Habet is when you're on a mountain and you're looking down into the valley. So what's Hashem telling Abraham? He's telling him, habet, look down at the stars. What do you mean look down at the stars? The stars are above. It says, Hashem took Abraham to a place above the stars, which is this place. And when you're looking down at the stars, you're no longer subject to the stars. The idea of En Mazal Israel is not so simple. We all are subject to Mazal. All of us. Like everything else in the universe, we're subject to Mazal. But the gift and the reason why Adar is a month of happiness is because we have more of an ability in Adar than any other time of the year. Maybe Adar and Nisan... To rise above this level of the mazalot and to not be subject to the mazalot, but to have us without that that influence or those, he said restrictions, right? Better word. Restrictions of our mazal. So really, if I, if I said there's a time of month that we should try to connect to Hashem to pray where... Where there's a way, and one of the ways that a person could change their mazal is through tefillah. That's what the Gemara brings. So it says, and tzedakah. right? So tzedakah. That's why you have all the stories of, you know, the guy, the the, the, guy, his, the daughter of Rabbi Akiva. She's supposed to die on her wedding day. You remember the story, right? She's supposed to die on her wedding day, and what happens? He was so scared to marry her off, he and this guy knows she's going to die on her wedding day, and what happens? The next morning, she's still alive. Rabbi Akiva doesn't understand it says what happened there was a beggar who came to the wedding he needed food she took her food she gave it to the beggar and what happened is when she went to put her hat she put her hat against the side of the bed with a pin and you took off the hat and you took the pin and there was a poisonous snake that would have killed her in the night so it says, <laughs> so, it says mi so she changed her, her, her so we have also specific, specific uh, commandment in Adar to do what? To give charity. Specific to Adar, we have to give Matanot We have really a different so there are a number of things that allow us to rise to the level. If we think just for a second, I'm just thinking Matanot giving charity, charity tatzil mi Unity. And that's the whole idea of Matan of Manot is to create unity. Unity allows us to rise above the mazalot. So there are certain things that allow us to rise above the mazalat and all those things I think are related to this month of Adar. And this month of Adar is really, really a gift. I think one of the reasons we always coincide to read Terumah is because the whole idea of the Mishkan, the whole idea of the Mikdash, the whole idea of the utensils is to show us that there's a way that Hashem is giving us a gift to rise above to the highest level, to grant us access. We don't have the Mishkan, we don't have the, the, the Mikdash, but we have the Tefilot. And in the way of Tefilot, a person really has to use their imagination to try to transpose and push themselves into this place. And if we can do that, really we can connect to that, that really high place. So I think, I spoke to someone just now, one of the reasons I said was, was on the phone with this poor lady and she's going through whatever. I said, okay, aside from the fact that we have to figure out how to help her on the every physical level I said to her, you know what it's unbelievable that it's happening maybe this is a sign because she said do you think this is a sign that Hashem is telling me this I said you know what when you first started telling me this whole story all I could think about this is a sign that Hashem is telling you this and this and you just asked me exactly the question <laughs> that I was thinking from the first second you started speaking after a half hour you asked me the question and I tell you in minute one I've said that this is what's going on I said maybe this whole thing is this process not only, we have we have to help you we have to see what to do, we have to all come together to, 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 to solve what we can but at the same time, know that it's happening in Adar, which is a time that maybe Hashem is taking you out of your mazal, that you're subject to, and allowing you this which doesn't look like it's so good but to allow you to do what you just said is really what I think you wanted to do the whole time and this is an excuse to allow you to do it and to have the life that you really wanted to have So we should we should all be zocher that this shouldn't you know inspire us to really look at adar and try to get out of our box. Is there a difference in terms of the strength of the mazal uh, being uh, your strength over the between when there's a double adar between? So there's no question. So adar two, so adar one is the end of the year, and that's the idea of the twelve that relates here. The, the, the year that we have Adar Bet, and I don't know which one is considered the extra, is it the first or the second? The idea of the second Adar is En Mazal. There's no Mazal to the second Adar. So how, so there must be an answer then, which one is the... the so the most second. of the Mefa Shim say Adar Bet. Most of the people say, but the problem is Adar Bet is the holiday we're celebrating. And maybe it's Adar Aleph that's the extra month. I don't know, but it's <coughs> these but we'll two. Read the Megillah, but, but we remember, we, read the Megillah, we said it's Pisces. The sign, of, two, so I the sign of Pisces is what? It's the see. two fish. It's two months. And I said that, I said really it relates to the children of Yosef. And then the, uh, that's the reason. Why does he send Yehoshua? So I said, when before you got it, I don't know if you heard. So it says, just to say that, that we see this, the Ephraim and Asher, they have the blessing Ben Porat Yosef, right? They're, they're the they're the the fish. Right. Be like fish. Why fish are protected? Fish of Pisces. Two fish, two month, one month. Ephraim and Asher. Sometimes two tribes. Sometimes B'nai Yosef, one tribe. But why was Yahushua selected out of everyone to lead the battle against Amalek so when Amalek was going to do Kishu? Because he's a descendant of Yosef. He's a descendant of Yosef, and that's why he's he's. Uh, He's selected to go. And that whole idea of him taking people who were born in the extra month of Adar because they're not subject to magic. So right, anything extra is possible. Month is, which is the extra month? Both, both, both. <laughs> Let's leave it at both. <laughs> so... Uh-